following program is brought to you in living color on NBC. Go ahead, keep talking. Uh, yeah. Um. <laughs> hmm? You started to say something, I interrupted, and now you can't. You can't find it again, there, Doug. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, no. Yes. No. No. What was I going to say? Oh. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. Um. Back to the bin. My son's been Skyping. He's been playing Minecraft games with another kid from, from school. Although he was playing, he's like, hey, Dad. Yeah. I got a new friend. Oh, really? And he brings in a globe. He's like, would you like me to show you where he is on the globe? And I'm thinking, all right, he's going to show me like New York, Florida, California. He points to Estonia. Where the heck is Estonia? I've heard of Estonia, <laughs> but I don't even know where it is. It's like. Over there, like it's like an old Eastern Bloc country, like Estonia. Uh, I gotta go look at this, Ben. What are you talking about? <laughs> he's, he's playing playing uh, Minecraft with Boris Badenov. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that <laughs> you know, he immediately the dad radar goes off. Bad news, bad news. Guys, try to. What do we know about this Estonian? What's this? Who's this? You know. So I run it away. What's this about? He's got a friend in Estonia. She's like, "Oh yeah, it's fine. I've been looking into it." I'm like, "Oh okay, all right, good. I'm going back to back to the computer. Never mind. Radar <laughs> down. As long as your wife says it's okay, couldn't <laughs> oh. possibly be anything wrong. What could possibly happen? So, Why do I have a credit charged Estonia? <laughs> How did this happen? <laughs> I don't even know what a ruble is. Next thing you know, Ben's got an Estonian uh, mail order bride. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, that might not be so bad. Oh, sorry. honey, you're out. It's a, a developed country with an advanced high-income economy. Ooh. Estonia has the highest gross domestic product per person among the former Soviet republics, and is a member of the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. Sounds good. Why wouldn't you want to be uh, friends with some Estonian? Well, maybe it'll maybe it'll be something good for Ben. I don't know. Dad, I'm going off to school in Estonia. <laughs> See you in four years. What? Oh, and, yeah. And and they'll be sending you a a a, a bill for the uh, tuition. Huh? <laughs> yeah, my daughter, my oldest daughter, Katie. She's uh, she she keeps saying, "Yeah, I want to go to USF and then go to school." Abroad, and I'm just going. Ugh. You, you go to school abroad, and you come back a lady. <laughs> exactly. <Brumpa. laughs> yeah, but then I'll, you know, when she says I want to go abroad, that I'm thinking when I was over there in in Europe in in the Navy and the things I saw and and heard, and then th- then movies on, you know, movies that are around now like Hostel and. I'm just like, oh, oh, oh. Uh, no, I don't think. I think you should go to school here in America. The hell with going over there. The hell with so. you. The hell with you. You go to school here. Yeah, come on. What's wrong with the schools here? 
Hi, my name is Mike, and I like comic books. Okay, so what do you think about Ben Affleck being Batman? No, I said I like comic books. That's a movie, and I couldn't care less. Well, it's a comic book movie. Really? Did you go see the magazine movie? Or do you watch the television book? I like comic books. You know, those things make for paper, especially the old ones. Whoa, those things. Are they CGC 9.8? No, you're missing the point. I like to actually read comic books, especially the old ones. I like them so much, I even build a website to tell other people about them. Does it have any information about uh, Avengers 2? No, it has info about actual comic books. Lots of covers, creator credits, character appearance lists, story synopsis notes, and so much more. Hmm, that sounds interesting. Where can I find it? It's at mikesamazingworld.com. Do I have to read anything? Reading makes my brain hurt. You can just look at the pictures if you want. Or you can listen to my podcast, where I talk about the history of DC Comics, especially the old ones. So I can listen to a comic book podcast? It's a podcast about comic books. You can find it at twotruefreaks.com. What's it called? Mike's Amazing World of DC History. History? You mean like before Twitter? Yes, the world actually did exist long before Twitter. My show is for comic book fans, especially the old ones. So check out Mike's Amazing World of Comics, the website, and listen to Mike's Amazing World of DC History, the podcast, for information and fun related to actual comic books, especially the old ones. <laughs> La. Come on. Come on. Hurry up with the goddamn Snapple. Let's go. What's taking you so long with a Snapple? I snap, I snap of your leg. Are you making the Snapple? Come on. We have a show to do. One, two, three. All right, you there, Doc? Yeah, yeah. Did you, uh, so you couldn't hear anything, right? I, you know what? I could hear all sorts <laughs> of noise coming out of the headphones, but I couldn't okay. distinguish what it was. What was going on? Uh, it was just me doing Arnold. <coughs> la, la. All right. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. I am Paul Spataro, and I am here with my good friend, Doug. Blah. (laughs) Or should I say, Dr. Bill Robinson. Dr. Doug. Dr. Doug. How you doing today? Oh, it has been a long week, a long weekend, and uh, we're going to finish off this weekend with some good old comic book goodness. So that's the way to start the weekend and finish the weekend, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But just uh, worthy of noting before we go any further that friend of the show, Tom DJ, has had a book published. Shadow Legion New Roads Hell Volume 1. Is a paperback. It is a. It's well. It's available in a paperback or Kindle edition. It's on Amazon.com. Uh, I found Tom to be a really smart guy. I have not read his book yet, but I bet you it's going to be really good. So, um, um, I hope he does really well with it. Well, you know, it's pretty much from everything I've read and 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 
and heard that it's basically in you know the pulp fiction style with you know pulp characters and such so um when i can get off my butt i'm gonna get the amazon take a look i believe i the price i saw for the paperback was like 16 dollars for new I, I'm on the link right now, and I, I will add a, a link to Tom's book in our show notes when I post this episode. Now, unfortunately, this episode is probably going to be posted about two weeks after the book came out. But uh, the paperback is $16.14. The Kindle edition is four ninety nine. dollars mm. uh, Of course, if you're going to buy it in either format, please go through the Two True Freaks website and get to Amazon that way. And then do a search for New Roads to Hell and buy away. Get to Amazon! That just doesn't work. <laughs> it, Arnold works for everything. Why Why Arnold isn't like the only person on, ter- on TV doing commercials is beyond me. You know what was on today? The Last Action Hero. That was a, uh, That's an underrated movie. I I think it is too. I actually, you know, I I came in about the middle of it when he's talking to him in the video store and everybody's hot and you know and he's saying you know well why does every number begin with 555 there can only be you know this amount of numbers and that's why we have area codes (laughs) (laughs) come on you stupid boy why i mean arnold's been in some bad movies i'm not so far gone that i'm thinking oh if if he's in it it's got to be good some of the movies are terrible but that was an entertaining movie why that was such a flop i don't know Mm -hmm. i i don't know man don't know. I, I still I still want to watch this most recent one. I can't even remember what the name of it is now. Like the the last something or not the last. Uh, we're talking about Why, the last. Why it's hero. funny you should say that because I happen to have in my hot little hand right now the last stand with Arnold Schwarzenegger. My uh, a buddy of mine gave it to me to watch, so I have not watched this yet, and uh, maybe I'll do an Arnold review. <laughs> you you haven't <laughs> watched it yet. But just as we're sitting talking on Skype, you happen to have it in your hand. Yes, no, because <laughs> he walk around the house carrying it until you finally get to watch it. No, no, it's at my desk. It's at you my know desk. You didn't say that. You said it was in your hand. Well, yeah, because I reached up and grabbed it and pulled it down, and now, therefore, ergo, if so facto, it is in my hand. Okay. Uh, I just, I'm, th- I'm starting to think you, that maybe the Arnold fascination is going too far. <laughs> Yes, I walk around carrying his DVDs all the time. <laughs> Maybe I can watch this. Do you yell at your kids in the Arnold voice and stuff? Sometimes, you know. Get in the car, come on! We've got to go! <laughs> Just for a follow-up, how's your cat doing? Uh, well, we we had a... Uh, we, we had a non-poop scare this weekend because... Uh, now my wife and I are, are, you know, you would think that you would get to a point in your life where you wouldn't be wondering, did the cat poop today? Did you check the cat's litter? I didn't see anything. Oh, because during the week, he he got a little mad. He got a little fussy. He was hissing at us. And then, um, you know, my wife was checking the litter box. And then finally, you know, the cat took a dump. And then he went like two days and he didn't take a dump. And then Saturday afternoon we're like yay the cat took a dump and he paid yay we're so happy that's the <laughs> yay we don't have to pay 800 dollars to go back to the vet cheer for another yeah for another cat enema so now now we're trying to get the little uh, nice pretty pussy cat to eat like softer food so because we don't know if he just got blocked up you know because he's been eating you know hard food since he was a kitten I don't know. We now, now we're like adding ham juice to it, 
all kinds of weird well, stuff. I, I don't have a cat, but I do have more than one dog that lives in my house. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I know what the dogs, they do make, you know, special food, easy, more easy to digest for older dogs and that. And I'm sure they do it for cats, so, so well, you may, you may want to check that out. Well, he's not an older cat yet, and I try to find... If he needs something that's easier to digest, you get that. Is is he going to be upset that he's getting the stigma of being called old? No, no. The thing is that he won't eat anything except the the food that we've been giving him. He'll only eat the dry food. I've been buying... I've been buying the moist food, and he just... He, like... He'll walk up, sniff it, turn and look at me like, Really? This is what you bring me? Come on. You know what? Come on! This is respect to eat this? Every pet owner that gives me the, oh, he'll only eat this argument, I, I call bullshit on that. Because if you well, buy this other food and you put it in his bowl, sooner okay. or later he's going to eat it. If All you right. cut off your arm and put it in the bowl, sooner or later he's going to eat that. Here's the problem. Idiot dog, okay, I can't leave anything down because, you know, if you walk away from it for 10 seconds, look, food, and it's gone. Okay, so now you're saying, okay, Bill. Just put it on something high, right? That which the cat will knock it off of. Anything. <laughs> we put his food up on a bar, thinking, okay, well, we'll put it up here where he can get it. I I turn my back, not a second, and I hear the plate moving. He's turned around and he's trying to push it off the side of the bar, like he's covering <laughs> up. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> so yeah, the trials and tribulations of having a cat. I mean, uh, up until now, though, it'd been like four years and had no no you know. No major issues until his butt got plugged up. I still say, if you get him the easily digested food, even if he doesn't like it, you put it out, he doesn't eat it, the dog eats it. Next day when you put it out, he's going to be pretty freaking hungry. He's going to eat it before the dog gets to it. Well, we've been trying to put, like, you know, stuff on it to moisten up his food to make it, you know, I don't know. I say we just feed him a laxative and just be done with it. You know, so we want to clean that litter box, though, if you give him a laxative. I could use him as, like, a... Super soaker. <laughs> Just lift his tail up, squeeze him. All right. Well, that's the end of the back to the litter box podcast for today. <laughs> back to the join, cat. Join us next week <laughs> when we discuss Bill's cat's digestive system further. As we discuss hairballs. I saw that one time. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> did he do the Arnold sound up? <laughs> he, just... he had the Arnold face. <laughs> he probably looked like Arnold. He looked like Arnold in Total Recall when he was pulling the thing out of his nose. Except yeah, except it was coming out of his mouth. <laughs> and then, and of course, as soon as it's out, the dog's got to walk up and sniff it. Hmm, this looks edible. Yes, Get the that... hell away from there. Somehow we went from Tom's book to this. <laughs> Again, no adult supervision. This is what happens. All right. Why don't we uh why don't we jump right into some email now? Yes. Let's do here we go. Mail time. Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me wanna wag my tail. When it comes, I wanna wail. All right. Our first email is titled Superman Trailer, not Spam, from Robert Ludwig. Thank you, Robert, for writing to us. Thank you. Howdy, all. In listening to one of your latest shows, 
all of you were talking about seeing trailers for movies and deciding from that if you would like to see the movie or not. I agree with Scott. I, you know, everybody's <laughs> got to agree with Scott. That's okay. He's not here to revel in it, so this is good. If I have no real interest in seeing a new take on a movie or character, the trailers will really not help me to want to see it. My personal example is the trailers in 2012 for Amazing Spider-Man. While I understand that new directors have different ideas for characters, I just did not like anything I saw online or in the trailers that made me want to see ASM. For Raimi's Spider-Man, I could not wait to see the character. But for ASM, I just didn't care. In the end, I never saw ASM in theaters. But that was mainly due to falling off a ladder and hurting my back. When I did catch ASM on one of the many cable channels we have, I thought it was an okay movie, not necessarily a good Spider-Man movie. One of my biggest complaints is how he got his powers. He walked into the experiment and messed around and the spiders bit him. That was not an accident. I will say that some of the visuals of Spider-Man in the movie were great, but I was glad I didn't pay to see it. Anyways, I hope to one of these days get off my ass and make a podcast as Scott and Chris said a few years ago. Scott, thanks again for meeting me when I was visiting Walt Disney World. I really appreciated it. Paul, since you're a Mets fan, go Phillies. Dr. Bill, I got nothing. Have a good one, Robert. Well, thanks for the email, Robert. Uh, Phillies can't lose enough to make me happy, but they are a transient team because they've gone from being good to bad, and it doesn't really matter to me anymore. Uh, the (laughs) The Braves, my dislike of, along with the Yankees, will go on forever. So Phillies couldn't care less. But I, I do agree somewhat with some of what he's saying about the trailers because I think trailers can be deceptive anyway. You know, sometimes you see it in the movie that you actually see doesn't really deliver. The people that make the trailers aren't necessarily the people who make the movie. Uh, And then you have the double-edged sword, too, of when the movie comes closer to coming out, if it is something you really want to see, at that point I try to avoid the trailers because I think there's too many spoilers in them. Yeah, yeah, they give away all the best scenes in the trailers, and you're going, huh, what? Uh And I I like to be kind of fresh when I'm watching the movie, so I I try to avoid the, you know, like, from this point forward, I'm not going to watch any trailers for Thor because I know I'm going to see it. And yeah, I don't want to see the last trailer that they come out with that gives away everything. Mm-hmm. And, well, I actually still haven't even seen the new Amazing Spider-Man movie yet. It just didn't, you know, much like Robert, it just didn't draw me in. I didn't have a desire to see it. When it comes out free on cable and it's on, I'll watch it. But I'm I'm not going to seek it out. I'm not going to spend my money on it. Just it just didn't draw me in. Well, it's on cable now, so you might be able to catch it. But uh, the four Spider-Man movies, the three Raimi ones plus Amazing Spider-Man, I thought they were all entertaining movies uh, to a varying degree. I think Spider-Man 2 is by far the best of the bunch. But I don't know that any of them is definitive in my mind because I didn't see a character yet that, to me, was the Peter Parker that I that I've read in comics. Mm. I, don't, I don't think... You know, I don't think I don't think I've seen that yet. So until then, I don't think it's a, there is a definitive Spider-Man movie yet. I think they portrayed Spider-Man pretty well in some of them, but I don't think they've portrayed Peter Parker well yet. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll have to wait for the next reboot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this this current one, the Amazing Spider-Man one. He's such. He's just so freaking angsty and emo. It 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 grated on me after a while. 
Uh, well, you know, that's that's the way things are going. Yeah, I mean, it's and whatever. It's, you know, I'm sure they're not losing any sleep that I wasn't totally thrilled it's, with their movie. It's not my Spider-Man. <laughs> I, you know, but, you know, as we've said so many times, though, when I go to the movies, I want to enjoy the movie. I, I won't let mm-hmm. the fact that we're going to talk about it on, on Back to the Bins or on any other Two True Freaks show influence what I think of it. I'm not going to try and be more critical because of that. I go to enjoy the movies, and then, you know, afterwards I'll give it a little bit more thought, and maybe I might start saying, oh, I thought that was good, and I changed my mind. But for the most part, I'm I'm making every effort to enjoy it, and then if I succeed in that, I'm going to give things a positive review. So, I mean, overall, I thought Amazing Spider-Man was pretty good. I was entertained when I saw it. Uh, it's definitely not a great movie, and it's not among the best comic movies, but it was all right. Mm-hmm. And, well, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was no. just, I was going to say that that that's a pet peeve of mine that I've I've voiced several times lately is that with the current internet age, it seems like everything has to be either the best ever or the worst ever, and people have a tough time saying hey, it was all right. Well, you know, and things can't be. There's very it's very hard to keep things a secret. I mean, you you got to you got to almost sequester yourself like you're like you're in a jury if you don't want to know something about a movie. God, you know, God forbid you look at, you know, you, you innocently look at something on Facebook or, or whatever, or even a news site. And I go, wow, what? What is it? Oh, boom, spoiled. That happened to me with Avengers. I stayed away. I stayed away from everything Avengers because I didn't want to know anything going into that movie. And I was on the, the Sci-Fi Channel website clicking on their news links, and it says, you know, the eight unexpected Josh Whedon deaths. So I start clicking through. Click. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Click. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Click. Agent Coulson dies. Oh! Oh, spoilers to anybody listening. <laughs> oh, I was so mad. So mad. Of course, by the time this episode airs, uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. will have already aired. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. But, yeah, and he somehow is coming back all the way here that that won't be explained right away. So we'll have to. Yeah, I've I've actually accidentally stumbled across stuff for that, but I, I won't say anything I've seen to avoid from spoiling somebody else who doesn't know anything else. And all the non-spoiled people appreciate that. <laughs> they're all in perfect health, I guess, because they're not spoiled. All right. But thank you, Robert, for your email. And our next email. You got it. Yeah, this is from uh, for episode one twelve. Yes. Wow, I knew two things Scott Gardner didn't. From that's what I want to hear. I want to hear people talking about Scott doesn't know what he's <laughs> talking about. I disagree. Last week's Andy Leyland email. I disagree with Scott. That was beautiful. It was a thing of beauty. <laughs> Keep those. I disagree with Scott and think Scott Gardner doesn't know emails coming. Maybe we can get him to get on the show. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 what we need. We need to spur him on. <laughs> oh, it says, hey guys, long time listener, first time caller. I really enjoy the show. I don't always get into the comics you read, but I still enjoy listening, especially with your Lone Ranger episode. I don't remember watching the Clayton Moore TV show too much. Most of my Lone Ranger experience comes from the old time radio shows. That's where I found out about the first thing. Excuse me. That's where I found out about the first thing I knew that Scott Gardner did not. That the Green Hornet. write a book. (laughs) That the Green Hornet and Lone Ranger are related. 
The Lone Ranger's nephew, a character introduced in the radio series who became a juvenile sidekick to the masked man, is named Dan Reed. When the Green Hornet was created later, they made this Dan Reed the father of Britt Reed, alias the Green Hornet, thereby making the Lone Ranger the Green Hornet's great uncle. Eventually, Dan Reed would be sent east to gain an education, making infrequent appearances on the series, and would later become part of the Green Hornet radio series, first appearing on October 22nd, wow, 1936, and finally establishing the, the connection between the Lone Ranger and the Green Hornet in the episode Too Hot to Handle, November 11th, 1947. Britt tells his father that he is the Green Hornet. After Dan's initial shock and anger, Dan refers to a vigilante pioneer ancestor of theirs that Dan himself had ridden alongside in Texas. As he expressed pride, pride in and love for his son, the Lone Ranger theme briefly played in the background. The other trivia I knew was that Guy Williams played Zorro on TV from 1957, from 1957 to 59. Let's, let's see if there was anything... I needed to say about episode 112 itself. I believe it was Dr. Bill who read a Lone Ranger story where Tonto punches the Lone Ranger out on the cover. I was wondering if the story writer got the permission of Bill Cosby to use it. Uh, file attached if you don't know the Cosby routine I refer to, which I I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but I think I used to have the album. Do you have any Bill Cosby albums, Paul? I did back when I had vinyl, but that's a long time ago. I know there's a Red Fox routine with the Lone Ranger. Hey, what like, about the Lone Ranger? Huh? <laughs> where it's like, Tonto, get, Tonto, get my guns. You get your own damn guns. <laughs> but anyway, I, I'm not Screw sure. Screw you, Kimosabi. But that could be dummy. <laughs> but that could be the Bill Cosby one that I'm getting confused. Oh, I got Paul's joke right away about Jonah Hex's handsome face. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Russell. <laughs> it's, it's, at least there's one person out there who gets it when I make a joke. That's good. <laughs> I will not be watching the new Lone Ranger movie. I I don't like Johnny Jet. I don't. I don't like Johnny Depp. And the Arm and Hammer guy looks too scruffy to be the Lone Ranger. Yeah, he just. Yeah, I I agree with that. I I didn't go see the Lone Ranger either. It, it just didn't. I don't know. It just didn't draw me in. I, I didn't really want to see Johnny Depp in another role where he plays a kooky character. And, yeah. You know, how about a movie where you play somebody that's a human? Or not that Indians are not human. Don't take that the wrong way, anybody. <laughs> I mean, play. Don't play a caricature. A caricature is what I mean. You know, it, whatever. Ah, uh, not just here. Wait, let me grab the shovel. <laughs> I'm in the hole. Come on. I'm getting deeper. Can you hear me down here? Anyway. <laughs> I'll stick with the 1981 Lone Ranger movie, which I did rewatch when they did their commentary on it. And I hadn't seen it since then, since 1981. And that was pretty good. Uh, all right. Better close for now before I ramble on. Oh, throughout your whole episode, much like I do. Why, every should, why should we ramble <laughs> on without you? <laughs> ramble on. Ramble on. Okay, keep up the great work. Russell Bragg, Clarksburg, West Virginia. Well, thanks for the email, Russell. Yeah, welcome new addition to our email, ba email bag. You know what else I recently discovered? Because I've been watching a, a, like, uh, a show that 
Jonathan Harris, Jonathan Harris who played Dr. Smith on Lost in Space. Yes. Who also was on that show with Guy Williams. I didn't know that Jonathan Harris played a character on Zorro because they were going through his different roles and it showed him he he, he had a he had a role on uh, Zorro. I did so, not know that either. So and I bet Scott didn't know that either. Oh, Scott didn't know it. Let's not kid ourselves here. <laughs> All right, so I guess we're up to the last one. It's it's back to you. Back to me. And where is it? The email is titled, Not Spam, BTDB on the Road. And surprisingly enough, this is not from Jason Trenner, so I will not be playing the spam theme song here. It is from our good friend, Luke Giaconetti. Hey, fellas. Just wanted to say that I loved your first episode of On the Road from Magic Kingdom. Loved hearing about the journey of the Little Mermaid... And then in in parentheses, it says, I wrote her. <laughs> Dr. Bill's singing on Splash Mountain. Paul's story about babysitting your own kids. And, of course, Dr. Bill's inability to remember how old his offspring are. Great stuff. Love you. Mean it. Luke. That was short and to the point, Luke, but thank you. That was good. I, I wasn't sure, you know, how, how an on-the-road episode was going to play. I, you know, I thought it could be entertaining, but... That's kind of one that you have to leave for other people to judge, you know? You don't know how much other people want to hear you on rides. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we don't even want to hear us on rides. Sometimes I don't want to hear us at all. <laughs> but Especially I when I can't remember how old my kids are. <laughs> no, that was good, though. That was funny. <laughs> for for <sighs> what it's worth, uh, for email, you know, we, we always ask about email, but we don't give the uh, email address very often, and the address has actually changed. It is now bins, B-I-N-S, at twotruefreaks.com, uh, and it's two spelt out. So it's bins at T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S.com. So if anybody wants to send us email, that's the email address. Uh, and as I've said the last couple of weeks, if anybody wants to give us iTunes reviews, I think those go a long way towards helping circulation of the show, which, you know, we do this for our own entertainment, but getting it actually out there for people to listen to is definitely a good thing. Yes, and uh, to Robert and Russell, who did send those in, they were back from back in June and July, and we apologize because we did not know where to go find them and could not get into them, but now we have corrected that, and we'll be catching up on everybody's emails. We have some other things in there for the Avengers show that we'll be getting to later when we do the next Avengers show. So, Which we hope to do soon. Yes. Alright, this seems like a good time for a promo. You like cheap comic books, right? Well, I'm Professor Allen, and I talk about cheap comic books on the Quarterbin Podcast. In every episode, I'll dissect a single comic from my collection, as long as I paid no more than 25 cents for the issue. Forget about $4 new comics that you can read in four minutes, or crossover events that can cost a hundred bucks to collect. Join me in the quarter bin, where even bad comics are a bargain, and good ones are a steal. The Quarter Bin Podcast is part of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. Visit us at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com, or search Relatively Geeky or Quarterbin Podcast on iTunes. I guarantee it'll be worth every penny. And we're back. Today I've got the Marvel. Hi, heroes. Fasten your seatbelts, because Mighty Marvel is about to take you to a new dimension. I chose from 
March of, I almost said 1776. I don't believe Marvel was around then. Uh, Stan Lee was. <laughs> Stan was Stan was a strapping young lad of about 35 back in 1776. But from March of 1976, Omega the Unknown number one, which has a cover price of 25 cents, and it's billed as the most fantastic first issue of all. And it also says on the cover, the last survivor of an alien world alone against a horde of steel assassins. And the cover is by uh, Ed Hannigan and Joe Sinnott. Cover shows Omega in a hospital room fighting with a robot, and the robot is holding a 12-year-old by the arm. The kid is in a hospital bed where he was reading Spider-Man comics. It's a little cross-promotion on the cover there. Mm. It, the story is billed as being conceived and written by Steve Gerber and Mary Screens, or Skeens, excuse me. Uh, I believe that they were uh, dating or living together at the time. Uh, it's illustrated by Jim Mooney. The letterer is John Costanza. Costanza, colored yum. by, hmm, I was, I was doing the Red Robin. I went yum. <laughs> <laughs> colored by Petra Goldberg, and the it's edited by Marv Wolfman. Our opening splash page shows Omega in an all-out run. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! Hold, hold on a second. Go ahead. Now, did did you say the conceived? Because was that a joke? Because you were saying that. Did the two of them were living together? Was that the whole conceive thing? No, no, no. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> you, you, you give me credit for being far too subtle. <laughs> no, that's, I don't know. that's if you if you, you know, turn to the splash page on it, it's the credited as conceived and written by Steve Gerber and Mary Screens. Yeah, but you said something about them living together. I just oh. mentioned that because they were writing partners, but I think they were partners beyond writing. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, well, you know, you had that whole Jonah Hex has a handsome face joke. I thought you were making some subtle innuendo with the conceit. Oh, never mind. I can only be subtle every couple of months. I, I see. <laughs> yeah. normally, I'm, normally I'm as subtle as a brick to the head. So, <laughs> I'm sorry for interrupting. I shall be quiet. No, no, your, your interruption is welcome. Uh, where was I now? Hold on. Uh, give me, now give me about 15 minutes to figure this out again. You were a so, Marv Wolfman editor. Oh, no. I was actually... In, I was already starting to talk about our splash page, which shows Omega in an all-out run on an alien landscape while he's dodging laser shots. And it's kind of a freaky-looking shot because the way his legs are kind of... You know, the way this... the way that he, While he's running, they're kind of at 180, 180 degrees. But he's doing a split. Yeah, he's doing a split... In you know, in stride, so very <laughs> weird looking. Uh, he leaps at his robot attackers, lifts one in the air, and smashes it just like Brute did last week. We're, we're told that Omega is the last of a superior breed. He lifts his hands in the air, and slowly, an Omega symbol burns itself into them uh, with an Omega stigmata, and fire bursts at his enemies from them. And he drops to his knees, and one of the robots comes up behind him and blasts him. When that happens, we see Omega scream, and there's a transition where we see the same scream coming from a 12-year-old, James Michael. Uh, and his parents come in, and he tells them that he doesn't want to leave the mountains to go to school in New York. Which, I don't think, you know, it's kind of something every child has to go through when they leave the mountains and go to school in New York. They tell him he has to go and he has to learn how to interact with other children because apparently up until this point he had been homeschooled. In the morning, they go to drive him to school and as they talk to him about how he should be excited, uh, they just 
have a head-on collision with a tractor trailer and are thrown off a mountain road. James Michael is awakened as he lays in the grass afterwards by his mother's voice, but it's now coming only from her severed robot head. She tells him that he'll be all right and that only the voices can harm him and that he shouldn't listen to them. And then her head just kind of melts away. We then have a psychedelic scene where James Michael goes into shock and sees a creepy looking group coming towards him, but it's really just regular people who are coming towards him to help him. We cut to Omega, who is sitting in a prison of some sort, held into place by some type of laser shackles. He's being held as as a captive audience for the robot militia killing humanoids. He can't take it anymore and breaks free of his bonds. He fights through the robots in an effort to escape, hops into a rocket, and takes off. We then see multiple shots of his head and face as he travels on his very long voyage. At this point, we return to James Michael, who is waking from a coma, and he's in the hospital where he's restrained in a bed. The nurse calls a doctor to say that he's woken up. We know that Dr. Barrow is a quality doctor because he smokes a pink pipe. <laughs> Looks like he should be blowing bubbles at it. I was going to say he's blowing bubbles with that pipe. The doctor removes James Michael's restraints, and James Michael says that his parents were good to him, but he doesn't have to fear anything except the voices but he shows no emotion about the fact that he's lost them. This startles the doctor who says that James Michael will be staying with them for a while. In the hall, the doctor and the nurse talk and say that they can't keep him because they have too many charity patients already. He tells her to pump the kid for information, but she says that there's something about him that gets to her. We're shown a scene of the nurse, whose name is Ruth Hart, walking in the park with James Michael, trying to get his gain his trust and then reporting back to the doctor that he's been unresponsive to her the doctor argues to the board that they should commit to the the doctor (laughs) argues to the board that they should commit to reach the goals they've set but the board says it costs too much money instead nurse Hart brings the boy to live with her and her roommate amber Cue the, okay. cue the background porn music right now. <laughs> Amber meets uh, James Michael at the hospital just by chance where he was sitting and playing chess all alone and he says that he feels like he's two people. I wonder if there's some sort of deep message there, huh? Mm. They, they discuss him moving in and he says that he thinks he'll enjoy it. That night, still in the hospital before he's left, one of the alien robots bursts into his room. It says that it's, it's the correct target, but with smaller proportions, and that it's going to kill him anyway. However, Omega, fo- <laughs> However, Omega follows the robot into the room and battles it. And as they're fighting, James Michael instinctively raises his hands, and much as Omega did earlier in the uh, book, he shoots beams from his palm at the robot and and destroys it. He tells Omega that he's seen him before in a dream, but Omega just picks up the robot and leaves. Dr. Barrow bursts into the room and sees the Omega symbol burned into the palms of James Michael's hands, and that's where our first issue ends. Stigmata. Stigmata. (laughs) Stigmata's not stigmata. What are you doing? What are you doing? You just shoot the stigmata. (laughs) He waved his hands in the air, waved them like he just didn't care. This is like a very, very freaky thing, and it's Ooh, typical yeah. Gerber for this age, for this time period. He was really, you know, I, I think 
All right, I'm drawing a blank. What else? Steve Gerber do Howard the Howard Duck. The Duck. Oh, okay. All right. He that's had a right. lengthy run on the Defenders, which was freaky, but real. That's yeah. That maybe that's where this seems familiar, <laughs> or that this you know the whole. Yeah, exactly. He, he eventually, you know, had some. He he was a big proponent of creators' rights. And he ended up having some uh, battles with Marvel over Howard the Duck. And then then in the 80s, they had that series for, I'm tempted to say, it was either Pacific Comics or Eclipse, where they did Destroyer Duck. Oh, yeah. That was all, that, the whole purpose of that book was to raise money for the legal fight to preserve mm-hmm. all, uh, creators' rights. So, ooh. Ooh. Ow! <laughs> I just stapled my fingers together. <laughs> that sounded like a chunk. I was, I, I was lifting my leg up, no, not to pee on the bushes, to uh, to, to cross my leg on my knee, and I hit it into the uh, the the tray, the keyboard tray on on the uh, computer desk. Paul Spataro marking his territory. <laughs> this is mine. <laughs> Stay away, stupid dog. <laughs> the dog's looking at you. What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> so, back, so back to our uh, back to the book unknown. Uh, you know, as I said, Steve Gerber was very psychedelic in his uh, thought process, and he had several story threads that never got completed because he had eventually gotten into some battles with Marvel. Uh, and Omega is one of them. He did, I believe, ten issues of the original series. It was either ten or twelve. And I re- exactly I remember Omega explained. I remember Omega, I think, was in the Defenders at one time, like crossed over into that. Well, what what happened was, I, if if my memory is accurate, he was Omega got canceled. Gerber was writing the Defenders and was going to finish his story there, hmm. but then he had his problems with Marvel and left, and somebody else finished the story in the Defenders by just having Omega get shot and killed. <laughs> So how does that tie in? Because I actually have uh, in some of my stuff, I have the I haven't read it yet. The Omega series, Omega the Unknown series that was out in like the two thousands. I have not read that. I've heard it's among the worst stuff that's ever come out. Oh, wonderful! <laughs> that's because it was only I think like ten or twelve issues itself. Yeah, and and that ran its its run. You know that that wasn't cut because it was oh, okay. meant, meant to be that many issues. Uh, but I, I've never read it, so I can't comment. I remember the art being very off, uh, but that's all. I, I never read it, so I can't really comment. The art in this is, in my opinion, very pedestrian. Mm-hmm. It's it's not terrible. The storytelling is okay. You could follow it. But there's nothing. There's not one image in it where you think, "Wow, that's really good." Yeah. Mm. Is there any, I mean, if there's something you saw that you could disagree, <laughs> you, sound, you almost sound like you want to, which is fine. Well, no, I'm just reviewing it real, real quick for a second. I mean, other than the the uh, the hot uh, uh, woman that comes in in the halter top with the red hair, Amber. Amber, yeah. You know, I had a cat named Amber. Uh, anyway, um, I was ready to cue the uh, real life with Doctor Bill <laughs> Robinson music. No, 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 no. Uh, yeah, th- I mean, you're right. There's nothing really 
I mean, just the opening splash page, splash, bleh, 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 the splash, splash page was was. Uh, although the body's at some weird angles, like he's lifting his hind, his his back leg to dodge that other um, laser beam there. I mean, it is kind of out of proportion. That's almost like the best shot in the book. And it's out of proportion, and yeah, and and just in a. I mean, it, it just makes no sense from a running point of view. If you stretched your body like that, you couldn't build up speed. No. I mean, yeah, because you would just immediately fall on your face because your hind leg is hind leg like you're now. Because your leg's so back tilted so far, you would just flip over. But I think, like, the next best picture is when he's got the people coming at him and he's got the psychedelic colors spinning around and the people are all look like crazy beasts. But, uh, yeah. Aside from that, and the melting head, the melting head is is kind of uh, weird. Yeah, that's one of the better images in there. But now, if you go back to read some of the dialogue, do you think like maybe they talked in a computer voice the whole time, and just since he's homeschooled, they never noticed it? Can you remember the dream, James Michael? <laughs> no, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't think so. What can I learn there that you couldn't teach? me well what can i learn that you couldn't teach me home irrelevant you've reached an age where you must begin to interact with other children meet other kinds of people be exposed to other lifestyles bomb check about wow <laughs> no you don't get the porn music with the robot parents <laughs> well he said lifestyle sucks <laughs> the father father looks in some shots looks kind of like clark kent the robot father clark kent that needs a haircut well, 1970s, <laughs> Oh, especially when he's driving, yeah. And obviously he has some type of precognition because he's he knows... Well, either that or he saw the truck coming around the bend that they couldn't see. I don't know. you think if the robots, they would have faster reflexes to dodge an co- oncoming truck. How about that uh, How about that collision? I mean, do, do, does it hit them again? I mean, it's like the truck is already... But that doesn't even make any sense with that... With that the angle? Yeah, because the car's already flipped over. The truck has hit it with the top. The truck is hitting the bottom of the car. Uh, that's just weird. That's just really screwy. And he's thrown out of the vehicle. It really it really doesn't look like it's on a mountainside when they, in the actual image of the collision. I mean... It almost looks like it's on flat ground. Although the truck yeah. looks like it's barreling downward. Yeah, but it, that, uh, it looks like there's a, there's a highway divider there... At the bottom of the panel, like it is still on the road. Yeah. Oh, it is on the road, but it's just yeah. It's it's it doesn't that match looks, up with the angle when they show it driving just beforehand. Though. I mean that that is what it should look like after they've hit going tumbling down the side of the mountain. Yeah, it's just really off. I mean, I am a little intrigued as to where the story's going to go. Have Have you read beyond this? I I I had read at one time or another. I read the whole series. Plus, I had read the issues of the Defenders that had it but it's been a long time and that, that was my main reason for being intrigued to pull it out again because i really didn't have very distinctive memories of what went on in it hmm just trying to check out it, some it's oh. it's with you know we, we've talked on a lot of the episodes about does this episode does this issue make you want to read more and this one almost has like a little asterisk next to it because yes it does because i'm curious to see where it's going to go but the fact that I know that they never explained it, that Steve Gerber never explained it, makes me think, why would I bother? Kind of like uh, beaming down to uh, the planet in Star Trek Two. 
go, go where? Suppose they went nowhere. Well, that's the thing. It's not going to go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you even you even know it's not going to go anywhere. Hmm. So it almost makes it not worthwhile. If, if you know the story's never going to conclude, it's it's really hardly worth reading it all and, and investing the time. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I might try to find it and just see. Does the art get any better or you, you don't even know? I, as I remember it, the art is... About the you know, same. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he's consistently the artist throughout the series, and you know this is the way he draws. Mm. Jim Mooney, that is. You know, mm-hmm. it, it it was the house style. I mean, he, it's not right. terrible artwork. Like I said, it's just there's no point in it where it, it stands out as being good. It's it's you know it, it's acceptable. What's uh, I'm just noticing? What's what's their license plate? No, it's, uh, but, it's it's not five H I five H one L five H what is it five H one seven yeah five H one seven it is not it's I can't even read what it is but it's not detailed D I M eight one five I don't know dim omnibus what is it I can't see it no nothing special there ah but I really frat. don't have a lot more on this one just because this. Not much more to, to say, I don't think. Like I said, they never finished it. I, th- I I agree with you that one of the one of the best renderings in it though is is when he's in his kind of his dreamscape and they, they show the man kind of running at him, looking really freaky, and then the next panel is you know the what's really going on. So it's not you know it's a normal looking man, and and just to contrast how the how he looks in the two shots is kind of cool. Yeah, I I I had to do a double take on that because I'm looking at going what? Then I look at the bottom one and look back up and. Like his mouth is twice the size. His teeth look like they might be kind of jagged. His eyes look evil. You know, his hair is kind of crazy looking. And then you cut down, and it's almost the same shot, the same drawing. But you know, now it's just a normal face. And I'm I'm wondering. I don't really totally get. Just above that, there's four circles with pictures of James Michael in each one. And each one, it almost looks like he's getting older in each one. But I don't know exactly what message that's trying to, to, to send. I don't know if he's getting older. It's just because those pink circles are now more pronounced across his face and just distort it. Well, I, I mean, think in the very first one, he looks very young. And then it, it's almost like it looks like he's growing a little bit and maturing in each shot. Mm-hmm. But I again, I'm not sure exactly what message Steve Gerber was trying to send there. Yeah, it's kind of a re- that kind of theme that like the like the four shots of the face. Then you look two pages later when Omega leaves the planet, and you've got four shots of his face in yeah. rapid succession in the same panel as the as the planet pulls away behind him. Each one of them looks like he's watching a sad movie and he's going to cry, <laughs> or he's like. He's he's the Indian on the side of the road with you know he he saw some space litter go by and shed a tear. Yeah, maybe could be. I'm not really sure of the functional purpose of Omega's cape. It just seems to really be in the way. It's almost like uh, like he's going to have an Incredibles moment at some point. <laughs> he's he's got the the weird. Uh, Weird boots, like uh, you know, you'd wear if you were on a uh, a fishing boat. Only they're oh, yeah. bright, they're bright red. Uh, just kind of a, a little bit of a strange character design. The inside of the cape is yellow. Outside's red. That's kind of different. 
Yeah, okay. You know, I didn't even notice that until you just said it. That is interesting. Very, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, like I said, a different character design. I, w- I really wish, you know, that, that they had gotten to explaining what was Steve Gerber's intent on this one, because I think I, I get the feeling it would have been worthwhile if he had. So overall, the rating is interesting but futile. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and that's pretty much all I got on this. I don't really have much more on this <laughs> unless you have anything else. No, no, I'm just kind of curious to what develops between uh, the boy and the, the the nurse and the roommate. Cue the, cue the music again. Down, 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 real life with Dr. Bill. <laughs> you know, once, no, never mind, I, I can't, I, I got nothing like that. I wish I would have something like that. Anyway, on to the DC. Are we ready for the DC? I'm ready. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. Okay. This is kind of... uh, um, I was looking for this DC comic over the weekend because... uh, For two reasons. One, it had been a long time since I read it. And two, I've never finished the storyline. This was the first first Superman issue that I ever remembered owning when I was... um, I think I was about eight or nine, and that's uh, Superman three thirty one from January. Uh, its cover date is January nineteen seventy nine with forty cents for the price. Ah, uh, the good old days. It was on sale October twenty third, nineteen seventy eight. Oh, and all of this, of course, comes from Mike's Amazing World of Comics, which is where I I, I used to follow because I was curious as to the villain that's introduced here. I was curious as to how he played out. And I'll discuss that after we're done. But I use that to trace out all his appearances and and, and uh, to see how he progressed or not. But anyway, our cover is uh, by Ross Andrew and Dick Giordano. And on it, we see Superman trapped in what appears to be a telephone booth, possibly. And uh, we have a character that calls himself the Master Jailer, which he wears like a gray leotard with a or like a gray bodysuit with a full mask and um, a pinstripe black and white horizontal or vertical striped uh, leotard with some white boots and he's holding Lana Lang who's falling out of her dress and behind him you see people in some type of cells and he's and he's saying say your last goodbye to Lana Superman when the master jailer builds a cell not even you can break out and it's and we see Superman smashing against the side and he can't get out of the uh, his his little glass prison. So, our story is called "Lock Up at Twenty Thousand Feet," written by Martin Pasco, pencils Kurt Swan, inker Frank Chiramante, letterer Ben Oda, colors by Adrian Roy, and we open up with uh, Superman encounters Metallo, Roger Corman, Corbin. Sorry, not Roger Corman. The uh, that makes movies. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting him for that Fantastic Four movie. <laughs> exactly. Uh, on the roof of Star Lab, stealing solar mirrors to act as a new power source for his body. Yeah, just go talk to Iron Man and see how that works out. Um. <laughs> I'm getting away now. <laughs> See? That that image from the Avengers issue just still just that, that pops into my head so frequently now. I'm hovering two feet above the ground. 
Mm. <laughs> I'm going to be there any day now. I'm going to beat them. Going them. on solar energy. <laughs> I'm going to beat them guys on the ants. All right. <laughs> already powered by kryptonite. Uh, Corbin's uh, Corbin's already by powered by Corbin is already powered by kryptonite, and he's able to defeat Superman and toss him off the building. Metallo gives pause <laughs> as he sees the boots of the Man of Steel hanging on on the parapet. Looking over, he realizes he may have been fooled. We, the reader, see that Superman slipped around behind, activated Metallo's scooter with a super breath, distracting him. Um. And then uh, Supes then grabs a lead-backed solar mirror and slams it into Corbin's chest and welds it in place after knocking him out. We see that this story is being told to us by WGBS TV anchors Clark Kent and Lana Lang. They are commenting on how quickly Superman's foes escape from prison and that the new Mount Olympus Correctional Facility will be open tomorrow and is 100% escape-proof run by Carl Draper, a specialist in maximum security prisons. Carl Draper is, in fact, at that moment, watching the news broadcast and seems to have an obsession with Lana Lang for at least 12 years. Not being able to take anymore, he turns off the show before he hears the important part that she will be at the prison the next day. After the broadcast, Mr. Corda, the associate producer, emphasis on AWS critiques Clark on his smile on camera while Lana and Lois Lane sharpen their claws on each other until Lois leaves. Lana wants Superman and is jealous of the attention Lois receives from him. Lana has always promised herself whatever Lana wants, Lana gets. The following day at the prison, Carl Draper sees Lana. It is unbearable for him to see her. They briefly discuss the maintenance of the prison and head in to see the current prisoners. Metallo, Parasite, and the Atomic Skull are all incarcerated inside, cells designed specifically with power packs to, de to defeat their powers. Lana feigns interest and wraps up the interview. Draper realizes that she, she has barely noticed him and that she doesn't remember him either. Hmm. Ah, but things go from bad to worse for good old Carl, because outside... Superman has shown up with some improvements for the facility. He, in, <laughs> he encases it in a plastic bubble and puts it on an anti-gravity anti platform at 20,000 feet, including aircraft warning lights. Superman names it Draper's Island, and Lana quickly changes it to Superman's Island. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Poor Carl. During the next week or so, more criminals are moved to Superman's Island. Of course, I'm doing quotations that nobody can see but me. Hi. Hi, Bill. Hi, quotation marks. Anyway. A shadowy figure in a gray bodysuit is seen removing the power packs from the prisoner cells for some unknown reason. Minutes later, Clark Kent is woken up by the stress signal he had given Carl Draper. He finds, he finds Carl at the facility, and he says that his assistant, Latimer, slugged him and was off to kidnap Lana Lang. Thirty seconds later, Superman finds a man in a pinstripe leotard and gray bodysuit, much like the one I described on the cover, hovering outside Lana's apartment, firing energy into the window. The gray man touches the power packs at his side, and he is now firing a different colored beam at Superman. This time green. Kryptonite, maybe? He goes on about how Superman is always one-upping everyone, especially him. 
even since they were kids 12 years ago. Hmm, is this really Latimer? He propels himself backwards, smashing into Lana's bedroom, approaching the frightened woman and knocks her out. Hold on, cue the porn music. Don't, don't, don't. Down, down. And then Superman flies in. Why, I just brought a pizza. Anybody want some? Here's the pizza, <laughs> and here's the pepperoni. <laughs> That's all? Wah, 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 wah. Superman flies in telling Latimer he is going to send him to an asylum. Supes begins to notice that Latimer's powers are like the prisoners. They, in fact, are. The power packs absorb the prisoners' powers and allow someone else to use them. Using the combined powers. Man, that's a lot of powers in two sentences. <laughs> the villain who has finally named himself the Master Jailer defeats Superman and drags him away. The Man of Steel regains consciousness, hearing the voice of the Master Jailer, thinking it to be Latimer. The Jailer tells him no, not Latimer, but someone he has known for years. They had met two weeks ago, but he and Latimer had forgotten him. The real Latimer is still 20,000 feet above in the prison. While they are deep inside Mount Olympus in the most ingenious prison ever devised, the Master Jailer reveals himself to be Carl Draper. Who would have thought? Ah, he used a robot of himself to trick Superman. Now he has drained Superman of his powers and placed him in a 100% escape-proof prison. He taunts Superman one last time and then turns to Lana Lang encased in a glass cell, stating that by the time Superman is missed... And as Robot is discovered, the two of them will be long gone together. With Superman in prison, he can never come between us again. End on Carl's insane face. It's a pretty good insane face. I gotta give the oh, yeah. artwork that. Uh, yeah, it's, usually, it's... usually Kurt Swan, you know, the faces all kind of look alike. Which, I mean, I know maybe, uh, I hate to say that, but to me, they usually do. But this guy looks scary in that last panel. He really looks nuts. And it, it isn't the over-the-top insane face. It's almost oh, like no. the smiling insane face. Oh, yeah. It's like the, you know, uh, yes, it, it is the, like the Ted Bundy smiling, you know. Eyes slightly wider. <laughs> yeah. You know, mouth isn't like, you know, ha, 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 like crazy. Just like just a just a hint of a smile. Just a dead look in the eyes. Even It's just, yeah. Lana looks pretty good in that uh, in that glass cage, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but this this comic was important to me because, like I said, this was my very first Superman comic, and I read this over and over again, and I never knew what the follow up was to the story, um, which I did read today, and then I went on and basically saw the other appearances of the Master Jailer, and he basically turns into a big chump. Well, let me, let me ask you this, because we don't want to keep everybody on pins and needles forever. Does Superman eventually escape the cage? Yes, he does, but it's... Thank so, God. Yes, yes. We, but I'll let them discover that on their own, because it would take way too long. Because oh, it was a pretty, Spoilers, everyone. It was a pretty I- intricate plot, uh, what he did to Superman. Um, it was pretty good. I think the Master Jailer for this appearance and the next issue was good. Later, he's doing weird stuff like having beams that just create, like, just wrap people up in little cages, or he fires a weapon and it put, put it, and it puts a like a bird cage over their hand. 
<laughs> just, I was like, really? Oh man, this is this is the care. This is why I've been waiting thirty four years to see how this guy turns out. No wonder I never heard of him at, 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 anymore. But yeah, my thirty four year quest to see what how this 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 followed up was it it did have a good follow up. Maybe we'll review that on another show. But I got some notes on some of these. Uh, uh, we already talked about asking Iron Man about the solar power. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look on page three. Uh, that middle panel, uh, Metallo does a double-fisted Kirk move on Superman. Yes, double axe handle. The double, <laughs> right to the back of the head. Poof. And then he he does for his the, his know. his costume looks a bit out of proportion by the shoulder there. Metallo's? Yes. It's like he's well, no, because if you look at other ones, it, it's like it, it it's like a protective thing around the back of his and neck. But, but it's it's looking kind of bumblebee like. I don't know. It's it. I. I Think it's looking too wide there. Yeah, yeah. I understand he's got the you know the iron lung thing going, but still, it, it doesn't look, doesn't look right. And um, then uh, he gives him the old alley oop, whoop, right off, and then I fell for the old boots on the ledge trick. <laughs> and uh, what the heck is what is powering that scooter? What is that deadly pink? energy coming from the bottom of it when it takes off why doesn't he power himself with that that thing's going he can't even catch it it's gone my Before scooter can... no <laughs> yeah i know he sounds like such... my scooter <laughs> my solar mirrors no <laughs> yeah he should be voiced by wallace sean <laughs> and then and then we got uh um on page five we we've got barefoot superman kwai chang kane <laughs> Slamming the uh, slamming the mirror to his chest, knocking him out, welding it shut. The old heat vision. Um, what else do I got? Oh, page six. Carl Draper, man of the seventies. Oh yeah, I have a note on that. I was, <laughs> my my note was button the shirt, Carl. Yeah, button the shirt. He's got way too much jewelry going on there. He's got two two gold necklaces on. He's got a white shirt. And he has a green checkered vest over. And my my other note is, uh, does he ever change clothes? <laughs> because he has the same clothes through the entire um, book. Well, he doesn't have the vest in the later shots, though. Oh yeah, but yeah, but he's just I, got the green sports jacket with the oh, same white okay. shirt and and gold chains. Yeah, and yeah, and again, chains. open to about midway down his chest. Oh yeah. Yep, Carl Draper, man of the 70s. He oozes 70s. And then um, we've got we've got the cat fight with Lana and uh, Lois. And then I don't know if maybe Lana um, likes to refer to herself in the third person. <laughs> Whatever Lana what's, Lana gets. Maybe she should just add a the in the front of that and become a wrestler. Whatever the Lana wants, the Lana gets. <laughs> It doesn't matter what Lois Lane wants. Well, Lois has a date with Superman tonight. Oh, yeah. That just, that just shuts Lana right up. Oh, yeah. I have a date with Superman. And then Lana goes, oh. And it's a little tiny. Oh, it's even drawn in smaller letters to indicate the uh, punch to the gut. And I, and I like the way that's drawn where Lana can't see Lois's face, but you can see it. And you see... That she's, she's got the smile on, saying, "I shut the, shut you up, bitch." 
Yeah, she's got the smile and her eyes are kind of like she's looking. She's got her her head's just turned oh so slightly like as if she's just saying just over her shoulder. Oh, I have a date with Superman tonight. And her eyes are just like, <laughs> just like I owned you. And then they've they've got the little movement things around around uh, Lana's head like she's been shaken, like she's physically been hit by that. Of course, Lana is dressed in clothes that, you know, uh, you'd think they would be wearing in, in Gone with the Wind or something. Oh, yeah. Lowe's <laughs> has got that. She's got the... Uh, Lowe's has got the 70s Annie Hall thing going. She's yeah. She's got the green, green jacket. Everybody's in green in this in this thing. And uh, what's with the the producer coming up, the associate producer with? And again, we know he's intelligent. Why? Smokes a pipe. He has a pipe, and he points with it. Now he he, he would be evil if he had a cigarette holder. <laughs> because he does have an ascot too. Yes, well, ascots. See, I'm a little older than you, so you don't know. Ascots were huge in that era. We all walked around with ascots on. He's got a <laughs> Paul Spitzaro with an ascot, with a little, with a little pencil thin mustache and a pipe. Well, we all had that too. Dad, might I borrow the car this evening? Son, change that ascot before you go out. <laughs> no son of mine would be quite dead wearing that ascot. That ascot go, doesn't go into my closet. Get one of mine. It doesn't match your shirt. Take that off. Uh, let's see. Oh, I would hate to be the. Uh... All right, we got to describe what the correctional, what what the prison looks like. It looks like it's some type of black octagon with one doorway. It's it looks got like a big eye. It's it looks like, like a big it's, it's eye. A, it's Mike Wazowski. <laughs> <laughs> and it sits about, I don't know. 30 feet off the ground and it's and all it has is one like winding staircase to get up to the entrance i'd hate to be the delivery guy that has to bring some hey is there a loading dock here something <laughs> like, hello dun, 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 dun. pizza i didn't order a pizza oh man dun, 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 dun. <laughs> oh damn my car won't start dun, 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 dun. <laughs> can i borrow your phone sorry no Sorry, now we don't have any phone lines up here. <laughs> Just keep uh, going up and down the stairs. It's, uh, what is it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven flights up. Yeah. But the, and, and but it's it stairs as if they're interior stairs because it goes up one flight and then it Turns. goes in the other direction for the next flight. And there doesn't seem to be any type of support structure that's holding this, this staircase together. <laughs> oh. It's probably made of chrome steel <laughs> well we all know that chrome steel is stronger than steel steel and shiny too Ooh. <laughs> I like the prisoners in their cells they I thought so that was kind of neat oh well yeah they're just kind of standing there hmm. well because if Metallo walks through it it'll shut them off uh, the parasite it siphons off its power and man the parasite's taking a nap <laughs> Superman. <laughs> Suck your power. <laughs> and then they talk about the atomic skull. Um, at first, I thought that they were uh, okay. And another thing was true. 
they're administering electroshock to him, which counteracts his seizures. It looks like it's causing seizures. <laughs> I know. He's, he's sitting there, and he's like, his hands are up in the air, all clenched, and he's like, <laughs> how you doing there? You all right? <laughs> and, of, and, and, of course, Lana's like, are we done here? <laughs> I can't dish you quite enough. Yeah. Yeah, let me just actually put my hand to my face and yawn. <gasps> oh, it's fascinating. <sighs> oh, Superman's outside? Ooh. Yeah, good old Superman on page 11. Thanks, buddy. As if it wasn't hard enough to get to this place, now it's going to be 20,000 feet up in the air on an anti-gravity platform. Again, hate to be the delivery man. Because <laughs> now he's got to fly up in a helicopter. Hey! Got your pizzas. Hello? <laughs> pizza or like the guy drives out to you know i could have swore this place was here last week where'd it go excuse excuse me i also ordered garlic nuts could you please go back and get those because i'm not paying unless i get my my full order he drives out to the spot and there's just there's just a sign and an arrow that it says twenty thousand feet what <laughs> they should have one of those giant spiral staircases up there <laughs> Let's see what, what do I have on this one? I I did not care for now. I do like Ross Andrew, but I did not care for this cover. I think it's a pretty good layout. I just don't like the way Superman looks on it. It's like he's constipated. Yeah. Going back to my cat. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <sighs> I I think Ross Andrew's artwork is better served as interior art than it is as cover art, and for some reason he was at the level of being a frequent cover artist at this point. I do like the fact that I, I liked that era when they used to uh, have word balloons on the covers. And the fact that the cover actually depicts something that might actually happen inside the book. Yeah, which it pretty much does. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because you've got the three guys in the background, you've got the three prisoners. I actually like the look of the Master Jailer on the cover. He actually looks menacing. Yes, he does. Except for what, what's with the steel headband? I well, you know, you got to have flair, I guess. It doesn't doesn't seem to serve any actual purpose. Well, it's you know rivets. It shows like chains, like shackles. Like he's got a shackle on his head. It's almost as like good as if he had like one of those, uh, you know, the collars with the with the spikes on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you know the pinstripe body part of it. I I, I don't care. Well, because he's in prison, the jail prisoner. I mean, the, the, on the cover, the face looks almost skull-like. Skull-like, yeah. And that's what Which, makes it look threatening. But other than that, it's still kind of silly. Yeah, later on, it just more looks like a mask over a guy's face, and it doesn't have that skull look to it later in the book. Um, yeah, it's I guess, more, like, more like he's got a potato sack over his head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do like in... Um, Oh, yeah, how uh, Lana changes the name to Superman Island. Yeah, thanks. It says, thanks, Lana. Thanks a bunch. You could change that last B word to something else. That sounds like itch. <laughs> thanks, Lana. Thanks, itch. <laughs> and uh, when um, the Master Jailer's outside the window, you notice that he's using one hand shooting down to keep himself aloft. Well, at least that's what I think that they meant to show. Because on 13, at the bottom of 13, and the top of 14, he's got one hand pointing down. Right. Then when he then when he turns in the other panel and points his hand at Superman and shoots him, it propels him backwards into the apartment. 
Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think you're. Uh, Which I think, I, I think you're I just, perceiving it the way it's intended. I mean, I just thought that was a nice touch. You know, because how else would he fly? How else will, would he be able to stay up there? It makes sense. It's just you know convenient that when he did propel back, it was right into Lana's room. Yeah. And then, of course, Lana, I don't know if he gassed her or if he, she just passed out. Away. And Superman should have killed him when he just came flying in like that. Boom. Hit him in the chest. Dead. Yeah. Cracked should, a couple ribs. Be enough. <laughs> it's, yeah. where, where do these guys get the budget to have, you know, such lifelike robots of themselves? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. Uh... I mean, this isn't Lex Luthor with a, you know, robot or a Doombot or anything. This is, you know, it's... Called well, Draper. I mean, where the hell does he get a robot? Well, Why don't I have a robot? <laughs> the Paul Spataro life model decoy? Well, if you go back... Oh, uh, you know what? Uh, he is a... Um, he is... No, he's a... Um, he's a specialist in maximum security prisons. So he would have access to money. And in the other book, Ed... T- he's like, oh, I, I was dedicated. I went on and I learned, you know, about this and that. So he is kind of driven. So, you know, he... He would have money and probably access to build his own. And he keep, and he keep when he's not using it, he keeps it in a sliding closet. <laughs> Come, my robot, my robot minion, and Superman just goes down like a chump. Wussy. Well, talk about going down like a chump. Metallo goes down like a chump. Yeah, the glass. They, they really, they Ooh. really minimize his threat because they want to. Do it in whatever four pages, five pages. Mm-hmm. But then when he's like, "Oh my scooter!" <laughs> Come on, that's Metallo, really. He, even a look on his face—he's got a metal mask, but his mouth is open. Like, <laughs> don't go, Superman! You made my scooter get away. <laughs> it's like really. Come on, <laughs> it's terrible. I, I mean, it's it, all in all, it's not a bad issue, but it's just some of some of the tropes of the day are just pathetic. Yeah, we got the big reveal when he pulls off the uh, he pulls off the mask. And, oh, it's me! It's really Carl Draper. And then who would have guessed? <laughs> yeah, Superman <laughs> should have been like, "Well, duh." I love when Superman punches the door. Ah, he's holding his God. hands. His, his fingers all spread out like, oh, crap, broke my hand. And then uh, Lana's in a glass cage. And uh, she looks pretty hot, even in that last picture right before Crazy Carl. Oh, yeah. No, she's, that's uh, that's the best shots of her, you know, because she's mm-hmm. not wearing a 1930s outfit, then. Yeah, now she's just wearing what? She's, she's, like, wearing, she's wearing a, a full-length nightgown. Yeah, she goes full-length to bed. Full-length purple nightgown. Purple? I got purple red. Purple or but, pink, red, yeah. whatever. It matches her hair. You know, I mean, for all I make fun of this, this this is my <laughs> this this is my sweet spot of comics. This era, this is you know what I go to the most. I was listening to uh, views from the long box today. From probably got posted a couple of weeks ago, but it took me till today to listen to it. And it was mm-hmm. Mike and uh, Shag, uh-huh. and and Shag started talking about uh, what's something that I, I've been a. I have agreed with for a long time, but I, but he just verbalized it in a re- really good way where he said, you know, you find the era that you love. There's no point in, in reading the books that you don't like. You find what you love in it and just immerse yourself in that. And this is my era, so I shouldn't complain about it quite as much as I do. But when I do, it's kind of like the uh, 
you know, a criticism of love. I do. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like I said, this was this was the first Superman comic book I ever had, and and the only thing I really ever remembered was the cover and the name of it, Lock Up at Twenty Thousand Feet. You know, and so that's what I was looking for when I talked talk to you. I think on Friday night, it was like I've been looking. I was looking for that, and I was also looking for some some Justice League books that I have a weird affinity to. In that, when I read them, the only two tapes I had to listen to cassette tapes were the Xanadu soundtrack and yes, nine zero one two five. So whenever I, <laughs> whenever That's, I hear those Xanadu two don't song, really go together though. Yeah, but when it's the only two tapes you got in your, I think I was probably about, I don't know, 13 or something, maybe 14. Xanadu, <laughs> Justice League, Xanadu. What, no. Did Steve Gerber come up with the idea for that movie? Xanadu? Yeah, you know, let's... Oh, I love the movie Xanadu. Do you really? Oh, yes. I don't know if it's because of Olivia Newton-John, but, I mean, I like ELO also, so... I like ELO. But just, I mean, okay, I don't like all the songs in, in that movie, you know. I mean, the Gene Kelly stuff, okay, yeah. Well, yeah, you know. where, did, where did that come from? <laughs> in whatever I mean, that was, 1978, we got to get Gene Kelly to be in this movie. I, I don't know if it's going to be as big as Singing in the Rain. <laughs> Although, I do like the the one where they're doing, you know, right before the big ending where they do that there's a party all, all, all around the world, and he's trying on the different outfits, and, you know... He's in the Toreador one, rawr, growling, and that's you know. Can... Telling you, I, I I love that movie. Okay, I said it here. I'm proud, and I'll say it now. <laughs> that's that's gotta fall under the category of guilty pleasure, though. Oh yeah, you you cannot watch that and think, oh, that was a good movie. Back then, I was great. At that age, I it's, mean, it's I at the same level as Thank God It's Friday. <laughs> God, it's fine. You could easily show those two movies as a double feature. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band movie. And then we just throw in The Wiz just just to, just to round it off. The Wiz would be deep filmmaking compared to the other ones that I just mentioned. Ease on down, ease on down the road. Nipsey Russell is the Tin Man. <laughs> <laughs> God, to see the things that I, I can remember that. I can remember things like that, but I can't remember. How old's your daughter? <laughs> She's going to be. My oldest is going to be seventeen because my wife and I were discussing this today. <laughs> I'll remember eventually, someday. <laughs> I'm not good with numbers. <laughs> I think we may be done. <laughs> so we're done. So I don't need to talk about. But, I mean, I can t- tell you... You have you more put- to talk about. Go ahead. Uh, well, no. I was just going to say what... what The the follow-up to this is called The Eternity Cage. And it was just basically a trap to where... Um, because Superman's basically human, he would have just standard traps, and he had, like, 100 different traps in, the, um, in this maze of mirrors. And Superman starts to go through it, and he's using his belt buckle to scratch so he can see where he's been. And then he makes it through two of the traps, and he gets to the end, and as he walks towards the end, he gets gassed, and it knocks him out. And then the whole thing rotates back to the beginning, 
and the gas he was hit with was an amnesia gas. And he would now have to go back through the maze again, and it would randomly pop up a different trap. Much like Star Tours. (laughs) It would pop pop up a different um, thing. So, um, but of course, Superman, you know, sees the, you know, oh, I marked this, and oh... Uh, and then let me see. Draper lets Lana out, and Lana grabs his, uh, pulls the keys out of the uh, the power packs out, and it's able to free Superman. He gets his memory back, and you know, bump bottom. Superman. <laughs> yeah, I waited thirty four years. Uh, that's it. Damn. <laughs> what a, what a letdown. But it's got me interested in. Uh, reading some more from this era which is a big you know i it's a big big gray spot thank you so much for listening to our show and we hope you'll join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back issue awesomeness you can contact back to the bins to leave feedback comments questions suggestions and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by visiting the Two True Freaks section of www.forumforgeeks.com. Back to the Bins is produced in association with the Two True Freaks podcast, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com and is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Back to the Bins is a proud member of both the League of Comic Book Podcasts, which you may find at comicbooknoise.com league, and also the Comics Podcast Network, which you may find at comicspodcasts.com. Take a moment to stop by their respective sites and support their other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week.